We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. It's a special podcast we put together for you to enjoy on the weekends. It features some of the best interviews we did in the radio show during the week. If you'd like to listen to the radio show, you can go to Bongino.com, click on Station Finder, find out where the local station near you is. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. First up today, we talked with Steve Dace about the January 6th Star Chamber Inquisition Committee hearing. Honor Biden, how establishment Republicans have no clue what their base really cares about, and the latest COVID news, which Steve has been all over. Also about his book coming out in November. Why Thanksgiving? Don't miss this. Check this out. He's a good man, host of the Steve Dace Show on the Blaze TV. Also the author of Fauci and Bargain. And I'm looking here. I just pulled you up, Steve, on uh, social media. And you're announcing a new book here? I, I was not aware. Why Thanksgiving? Uh, what, what, what's that about? Well, we decided, you know, with uh, with Rush passing, um, you know, he had such a huge success with those Rush for Beer books. And we have so much, Dan, lost history and tradition that has been robbed. A cultural hijacking has taken place here in the last generation. So much of this not passed on to most Americans. And yeah. uh, so my publisher and I got together and came up with the idea, you know, could we kind of fill that niche? But we kind of wanted to go all the way to the to the, you know, you know, what I mean, next level. So. Let's do America's Christian heritage, and let's start from the very beginning, you know, with the very first actual Americans, the Pilgrims. And so this book comes out in November, and it's a children's story about why Thanksgiving um, and where these traditions come from. And if it's successful, uh, we'll do a series of them that kind of help us to pass these traditions and this heritage on to our kids and grandkids. Awesome idea. Why Thanksgiving? Available now for pre-order. We'll have you back, of course, in November. Uh, I just saw that. So forgive me for not doing I was just uh, caught up with so much stuff I want to talk to you about. Steve Dace, host of the Steve Dace podcast. Steve, first, um, Cassidy Smollett, otherwise known as Cassidy Hutchinson, the uh, testimony up there on Capitol Hill. Now, listen, I I, I candidly have no problem whatsoever with a uh, bipartisan congressional committee that wants to look at political violence in the country. No, I actually think it's a good idea. You want to look at January 6th. You want to look at BLM. You want to look at Antifa, the CHOP Zone. The assault on the Oregon courthouse, the assault on the White House by BLM. Let's hear it. Let's, you know, bear all our scars. Let's get it out there. Let's see what's going wrong, where we can do better. That's not what happened. Um, Liz Cheney as a um, as part of the Uniparty in Washington, D.C., and brought up this star witness in an emergency hearing, and her credibility has completely collapsed. Does this not speak to the value 
of having a properly formatted committee with an adversarial voice to be able to question these people so you don't get humiliating uh, testimony like that, which is now being challenged by just about everyone? Oh, Dan, brother, I, I know that you're you're a former NYPD officer, Secret Service agent, and but this is adorable. You, you're actually ser- assuming that on any level this is about getting to the <laughs> truth or justice. You're still a recovering law enforcement officer. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm trying, bro. I'm trying. I'm trying. I know, I need some, I I'm grasping. A- I'm grasping at straws, man. It's the same reason you're writing your book. Why? Thanks. You're grasping it. We can still save the culture and you've got hope. I've got a little bit of hope. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. I know. I know. I know. You're, there's a 12 step program for that somewhere, I think. But uh, I mean, this, this 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 comes on the heels of. You know, there, there's this the story that came out this week that in 2015, 2016, Hunter Biden was literally filming videos uh, with himself and uh, Russian escorts, prostitutes that are, you know, $10,000 a hit, which probably would trace back to, you know, some Russian oligarchs and certainly are, you know, maybe uh, potential uh, Putin a blackmail fodder. Maybe that's yeah. why this prostitution ring might exist. And if you look at the timeline of when this is alleged to have occurred, this is right when they told us for three years that Putin had a tape of, of Trump and doing water sports with Russian prostitutes. And that right. got Trump to run and have him infiltrate our election process and be a, a Russian agent to uh, steal an American presidential election. At the same time, they claimed that this would, that they claimed this narrative for three years. It was actually true. But Hunter Biden was doing it and self taping it while he was doing it. Mm. I mean, everything that that's they always accuse point. you of doing, they do every single time. And I think that's why a lot of Americans aren't watching it. I have not watched a nanosecond of it. Um, and, you know, I've got a cream rinse to try. And, you know, and there's hand lotions <laughs> and other things I want to look at. And, new uh, new and chamomile tea selection you, your <laughs> wife purchased that you want to check yeah. out tonight. We're talking to Steve Dace. Indeed, the lavender author of the I would highly book. recommend, by the way. <laughs> the yes, lavender. The put lavender. you to sleep. That's right. Yeah, and, yes. uh, aromatherapy. And here the aromas. He's the author of the upcoming book, Why Thanksgiving. And the author of a great book out now, by the way, Fauci and Bargain. Uh, yeah, I have a real problem with it. I, I, I do want to hold out some hope that this this country that's been touched by the hand of God, I have no doubt will somehow mm-hmm. get a better class of leaders in there. It's just uh, really terrible. And and the disturbing part about what Cheney's doing here, uh, Steve, with this committee is it's guys like me and you. And I don't know. I was never a big bushy. I just wasn't, I wasn't a supporter of the Iraq war. I, I don't know if you were, or you weren't. I, 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 it's not like a, a, a an issue I use to say you're a conservative or not. But, mm-hmm. you know, we defended this guy, uh, not because mm-hmm. I knew him personally or even liked him, but I just thought that they attacked him because he was Bush's vice president. A lot of the stuff was just, f- frankly, absurd. And then she just turns around and pulls this stunt with this witness the other day. And uh, I, I mean, it's just, it, it reminds me of my old adage that most Republicans on Capitol Hill are really Democrats, but no Democrats are really Republicans. Hold on a second. I'm reading a press release, Dan, from George W. Bush. He finally got around to thanking Samuel Alito for writing the opinion. Oh, he did. Oh, no. No, he did did not. Oh, oh, yeah, of course he did. That's right. We were waiting on that. Jim was waiting with bated breath. Bobby Bonilla Day came first and it still hasn't happened. So, yes, you're right. You know, here's the difference between the two parties on Capitol Hill. There's two things I could say that are the real difference. Democrats inspire their base to get what they want. Republicans conspire against their base to get what they want. Democrats don't even try, don't even attempt to curtail their agenda at all 
uh, to win elections like they, they used to. Or gone are the days of Bill Clinton losing a midterm, calling it, uh, sending Hillary out on a two-year tour, and bringing in Dick Morris to save his presidency with triangulation. Those those days are gone now. And it's it's devil in a red unitard with a pitchfork, just out in the open with it now. Okay, and so they they won't even curtail their agenda to win elections. Uh, meanwhile, Republicans will seek to curtail an agenda they don't actually agree with their own base in order to win elections. And that's <laughs> is, really is the, the gun bill an example of that, Steve. Yeah, that was a yeah. great. You just said something really, really terrific. That Republicans, uh, Democrats inspire their base. Republicans conspire against it. This gun bill is a perfect example, right? Yes. There's, there's 14 yes. Republicans who just sold this out in the Senate side. Yes, and and that's a red line there, Dan. I mean, that's the one issue over the last 30 years, really. That that the mainstream Republican Party. So, you know, which which is if you look at since if you look at since Eisenhower gave his momentous, you know, exit speech, um, his going away speech, the Republican Party's nominees have been, you know, Richard Nixon, two Bushes, John McCain, Mitt Romney. And then there is a then there's Reagan and Trump. Two of these things are not like the other. OK, and, <laughs> and so. This is this is the reality of the fact that, you know, you're aligned with this party has hated its base for decades. Um, it has you know, there's I saw a tweet out today that the difference between the new populist right and the mainstream right is that we don't favor corporations over God and our traditions. Um, and and, and I, the mainstream right has always done that. It was always about, you know, Winton. It was always about the Chevron doctrine more than overturning Roe. It was always about the two-state solution more than let's move the embassy to Jerusalem. It's always been that way. What just changed is when the corporations got woke, Dan, and they no longer even pretended to, you know, uh, fly the flag and even wink at our belief system. That that mainstream right now, they got exposed. Now they they couldn't triangulate yeah. off of that anymore. And that's and and so I think a lot of people are, pardon the pun getting woke politically, just not necessarily in the way the other side right. had anticipated. Right, actually waking up. We're talking to Steve Dace, author of the upcoming book, available for pre-order now for your kids. Why Thanksgiving? Pick that up, pre-order today. Steve, another issue, you wrote in your book, Fauci and Bargain, you just dismantled the credibility of Dr. Anthony Fauci. The book's a manifesto on that. Another study's come hard. out. Yeah, no. Uh, well, you put the work in. I mean, it wasn't hard, but doing, you know, the research is easy. Just put Fauci mistakes in uh, the Internet and just, just keep writing. I just, I just edited but, it. It was like a transcript. But yes, go ahead. Right, 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 right. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, but another study has now come out. I was reading in SF Gate about a study in the Bay Area, San Francisco. There are liberals listening. We have to be kind of slow here around that area there on masks. Uh also failing to find any real experimental effect to the therapeutic use of masks to stop the transmission of the disease. I mean, you would think at some point that the Fauci's of the world and the bureaucrats, you know, speaking of Chevron, the, the, the CDC folks and Ocean, I mean, would come around and be like, well, you know what? It's time to kind of gain our credibility back and admit that may not have been the best thing to pump down people's throats, this mask thing. But nope. Well, I'm hearing more traffic about masks coming back again if there's another outbreak. Because this hasn't been about health from the very beginning. This has been about power and control from the very beginning. And what's yes. happened in our what's happened in our society collectively and, and COVID has revealed this uh, more menacingly and glaringly than any other issue in our lifetimes is that the highest value now in, in our society in a in a full spirit of the age statist total state society, the highest value now is compliance. 
to show that I comply. The, the, the West is now this episode of Black Mirror uh, with Ron Howard's, uh, Blythe Howard, uh, Ron Howard's daughter, where she lives in a social credit system and she's constantly being judged by how well, how, how just fake uh, kind, fake virtuous, fake sanctimonious and fake compassion, compassionate she is in every walk of her life at work, when she goes to the mall, when she goes through, um, you know, a toll booth, everything. And that's what we're seeing now, that this is really about compliance. And that's why the same people who originally put masks in their social media bios, then went to their jab registration cards, and then they went to, uh, you know, the pronouns, and then they went to the Ukraine flag because they got the signal. Uh, hey, new pronouns just dropped, new civil sacrament just dropped, new next current thing, next current thing just dropped. Your opportunity to show you're down, you're compliant, that you are virtuous. And that's, that's the highest value in our society now because we are run by masters of the universe that are really after nothing more than control over the population. And unfortunately, a lot of this population, after a generation of pop culture and education, uh, that has uh, conditioned them accordingly, they are lining up to be controlled. They want to be. Man, preach, Brother Steve. That is so right. We talk about that control component all the time. And the virtue signal, the signal is uh, via the, you know, the avatar about, you know, I stand with Ukraine or I wear a mask or whatever. Vaccinate right. your, your kindergartner. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a signal of your willingness to conform to the Borg-like Star Trek mentality. Like, that's I'm the, not going to be. It's exactly so, right. Yep. Right. Isn't it? That's but isn't right, it so strange analogy? That's the perfect part. Yeah. That's the perfect analogy. And I think for a long time, Dan, we thought we just wanted to be left alone. So if I can quote right. from one of my favorite Star Trek movies that you just cited, first contact, the Borg won't stay on deck 16. They won't leave you alone. I, I promise you, leave, leave me alone loses the zealotry in every history book you've ever read. I promise you. And it will lose yeah. in this history book, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a. Um... It's kind of the counter to the counterculture of the 60s where the lefties and the hippies were had the question authority bumper stickers on their car. You know, I mean, even in the right. the 80s, I mean, and the 90s, you had, you know, grunge and the rage against the machine, man, rage right. against the machine, bro, killing in the name of the yeah. cops and all these authority figures are the worst. And now it's so switched. Where, Steve, it's guys like you and me. I got about a minute left, but it's you and me and the people we work with and work for in some cases in these conservative ecosystems. We're the misfits now. We're the renegades. Isn't that weird? Indeed. If I want to hear Wake Up or Bulls on Parade from Rage Against the Machine Live, it's now 300 bucks a ticket, and I got to show my jab card or I can't get in. You're exactly right <laughs> there, brother. So yes. funny. Dude, that is hilarious. It's true. 300 beads and you're vaccinated. Look at me. I've subjugated myself to the Rage Against yes. the Machine Borg. Yes. Steve Dace, he, he has two books, folks. Fauci and Bargain out now. Check it out. Really a great analysis of Fauci's failures. Also coming up, Why Thanksgiving, a children's book for your kids pre-order today. You can always check them out on the Steve Dace podcast. Steve, you're welcome back. Of course, we'll definitely have you back when that book comes out uh, in November as well. Thanks for coming on today. You bet. Happy for it to you and your audience, brother. God bless. You got it, sir. Steve Dace, folks. Good man. And like a professional radio host that he is, Steve Dace, when you tell him a minute, he gets out early because he did this. He's been doing radio about as long as I've been alive. So he knows it better than anyone. That was Steve Dace, who's probably forgotten more about COVID than most people know. He's been all over that story and all the corruption behind it. Next, we talk with Leah Halpern. 
With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. Henry Repeating Arms manufactures a line of high-quality rifles, shotguns, and revolvers you can be proud to own. You talk about people who love America. True patriots dedicated to this country, so much so their products are made in America with parts and materials from America. They use old-world craftsmanship combined with cutting-edge technology to deliver reliability and accuracy you can trust in any situation. They're easy to use and maintain, making them an excellent choice for both novice and experienced shooters. Whether you're a hunter, sports shooter, or looking for land or home defense, Henry has over 200 models so you can find the firearm that's right for you. There's also new releases throughout the year. Every purchase is backed by a lifetime warranty, and the company's owner, Anthony Imperato, also gives his personal guarantee for 100% satisfaction. Make sure you go to their website. It's henryusa.com and order their free catalog. They'll mail it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals. You're going to love these firearms like I do. Here's Leah Halpern talking about cryptocurrencies and the dangers of a federal government digital currency. Folks, surveillance, they can watch you. They can stop payments. Think about trying to buy a gun with a federal digital currency. Big problem. We address that and more with Leah Halpern. Now, cryptocurrencies, you know, that's one of those things that if you don't really know what you're doing, you can get hurt pretty bad. A lot of people don't know, you know, don't even know what they are. It's not that they're ignorant. They just, you know, they invest in other things or they have, you know, their jobs and lives, you know, get too into it. But if you don't know about it, you can probably get hurt pretty bad. Um, so I like to have uh, Leia Halpern on my show. She's been on my Fox show many times because she's awesome and super smart and knows a ton about cryptocurrencies. Uh, you can check her out. She's got her YouTube show called The Leia Halpern Show. Leia, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Dan. Always love uh, talking about the most important things with you, freedom and, and everything else. Oh, uh, you're so great. I see your clips on social media. Again, you can check out her show, The Leia Halpern Show. It's pretty terrific. She's wonderful. So you are, um, you probably uh, recoil in horror at the term expert. Everybody does. But you know a lot about uh, uh, cryptocurrencies. And it's a big yeah. issue right now. Yeah, a lot. I know experts, right? Like everybody calls themselves, but you do. You know a lot. It's you do your homework. Um, it, it, there's a, a lot of panic out there about cryptocurrencies. A lot of them, whether Bitcoin or Ethereum or others, have lost a significant portion of their value. So, you know, what do you say to people who say this is it? It's the apocalypse. Crypto's junk. I don't, I don't like it. Forget it. What do you? How do you respond to that stuff? Yeah, I mean, you know, now is a very difficult time for a lot of people. Admittedly, you know, um, you know, the market is down. People have lost, um, you know, some people have lost their life savings. Um, but what I would say is it's really important to make a distinction between Bitcoin and crypto. Now, a lot of cryptocurrencies are basically startups because some of them have only really been around for um, not even a year. Um, and so naturally, with any startup, um, it can come crashing down and it can never really recover. Um, 90% of cryptocurrencies actually don't recover during a bear market. I make this distinction because then you have something like Bitcoin, 
which is different. It's been around since um, 2009, and it's something which has actually stood the test of time. It stood several bear markets. It stood a pandemic. Um, and also, it's very important to realize that the technology is completely different. Bitcoin is decentralized. It's not a startup. There is no CEO. Um, and so that distinction is very important. And I think the fundamental value of Bitcoin is still there. Ultimately, it's supposed to be an alternative form of money, immune from government corruption. It's this alternative system just because it is so decentralized. It, there is no central bank. There is no money printing. Um, and so that fundamental value, regardless of the price, still exists and is still there. Completely different to all the other cryptos, which a lot of them are simply you know, made to pump and dump. Um, a lot of them are um, centralized with CEOs, which um, uh, end up, you know, dumping on the entire market because, you know, they hold the majority of the coins and then they, they sell. Um, so the, the distinction yeah. is the most important thing that I would make. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Crypto and Bitcoin. Uh, you know, Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. All cryptocurrencies are not Bitcoin. We're, we're talking to Leah Halpern. Leah Halpern, uh, check her out, her show, Leah Halpern Show. It's really good. Knows her stuff. And there's some great clips on social media as well. How do you, uh, uh, by the way, just so you, you probably know from our interviews together, it's not the first time we've spoken. I'm agnostic. I'm, I'm an investor in multiple tech platforms. I, I'm agnostic on Bitcoin. I think the blockchain technology is a revolution in authentication mm-hmm. technology. So I believe there's real value there. But, you know, I'm, I'm friendly with Peter Schiff, too. I know you guys have it out a lot. He hates Bitcoin. He's a gold guy. But uh, how do you respond to critics who say with, with Bitcoin specifically, I get the other cryptos, some of them are just pumping down some. Mm. Um, but how do you respond to Bitcoin people like Peter Schiff who say you're not really buying anything? Like there's not it's not backed by anything. What do you what do you say mm. to that? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting idea. Um, but I, I think what I say to that is, it's such an old-fashioned mindset, unfortunately, and I can understand why somebody like Peter Schiff can't understand it because they don't think it's anything because they can't physically see it. It's not something which is physically tangible, right? But, you know, you and I connected through social media, through Twitter. That's not something physically tangible, but ultimately this digital space now suddenly has value. So I think we can all agree that we are ultimately moving forward into a digital space, whether it's the metaverse, whether it's, you know, more more social media. It's going we are inevitably going that way. And so we need a form of money which adopts to that new world that we're moving into. It is inevitable. And what I would say Bitcoin is backed by is the fundamental value. It's backed by the physical map and code that supports the network. You have miners, physical miners, tangible things um, all over the world, whether it's um, Kazakhstan, Russia, Texas, um, you know, the United Kingdom, wherever it is, you have physical um, machinery, which literally um, confirms every single transaction that's ever happened. And so, you know, it, it's like saying to your grandparent, like, you know, I try to explain to my grandparents what I do. Oh, you know, I, I do social media stuff. You know, they, they, they don't get that because to them, social media, what is that? It's this, it's this irrelevant, non-existent world. And so it doesn't surprise me that Peter doesn't get it. But Peter did just tweet something actually recently about how um, his bank and his funds have been frozen or something like that, and he can't move his money around. And, you know, what would help him? Not gold, but Bitcoin. So there's the fundamental value. Hmm. Talking to Leah Halpern. <laughs> uh, she's got her show, Leah Halpern Show. Check it out. It's really awesome. Uh, the way I found you, I think I told you this the first time we met on my show there, was you had done a fantastic segment. I think it was on Fox. I mean, it was a while ago. And you were talking about something near and dear to my heart for all the wrong reasons, I might add. Digital currencies. In other words, government-sponsored, not crypto, 
government-sponsored digital currencies. You know, the currency's on your phone, it's on your computer, but it's not physical. It's not a coin, it's not a dollar bill, right? This has freaked me out forever. Surveillance reasons, government shutting down your ability to buy a gun, you can't process a digital payment anywhere, there's no cash alternative. You did this just amazing viral segment on it, and I was blown away, and I told my producers, Get Leia on the show stat. I don't care what you got to go find her personally. <laughs> if you could just kind of uh, caution my audience about the dangers of, say, the Federal Reserve in the United States instituting one of these things, I think you'd do a public service for them. Yeah, absolutely. So central bank digital currencies are technically cryptocurrencies because they will be on blockchain technology. However, they will be um, totally centralized. So it will be a, a, a digital version of what we have now. And the problem is, with this digital money, it's programmable, which basically means if you have the incorrect opinion, um, you know, if you like the wrong thing on Twitter, um, for national security purposes, they could freeze your money or they could program it so that you can't be, um, so you can't spend it in certain places. And I know it sounds extreme, but it's not because there was a time when unvaccinated people, and I think still parts of the world um, to this day still, still have this rule, aren't allowed to go into certain shops, aren't allowed to buy certain things. In some places, they were only allowed to be chaperoned um, if they want to make sure they were only buying essential items like groceries from certain shops. But why would you need a chaperone when we can have a more efficient system whereby we program the money of unvaccinated people and we say, hey, you're not vaccinated, you're a danger to society, now you can't go and spend on whatever it is. You know, you mentioned guns, like clearly you have a, there's the, the, the Second Amendment, which is very um, contested in the US. Um, and no, don't worry, we don't have to go, we don't have to remove the Second Amendment, we'll just program the money so that right. only certain people are allowed to go and buy the guns. Yeah, that's uh, we're talking to Leia Halpern. Uh, Leia Halpern. Sorry, Leia. I'm, I'm so I, I say my own name. It's not. I know who you are. I just like, <laughs> I, I say my own name wrong half the time, Bongino. So it's not personal. I promise. It's just me. So my sincere apologies. <laughs> Leia Halpern. Check her out, folks. She has a show, Leia Halpern Show. Um, what bothers me about and you're right. It is a cryptocurrency. Forgive me. You're correct. It would be. It'd be a government sponsored cryptocurrency. Right. Uh, what bothers me the most is not just that, which is awful, but also. The idea of negative interest rates, right? Like a government doing negative interest rates or instituting at their central bank level negative interest rates was once mocked as just delusional. Like who the hell would put their money in a bank knowing you're literally losing money by the day? That's mm -hmm. what a negative interest rate is. But if you had a digital currency and there was no way to pull out the cash, Leia, then a yeah. negative interest rate is, a, is really a government could do it and it would be the greatest tax of all. They take a little bit of money every day with this negative interest rate and there's nowhere to escape to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, it's important to realize that our money is being confiscated. So it's not that far-fetched to believe this, you know, whether it's through um, inflation um, or whether it's, you know, again, because you're not vaccinated in, in Canada and so they and so they freeze your bank account because you want to protest bodily autonomy. Um, so, you know, it, it's not that far-fetched. And I've spoken about this before, but during um, times of, you know, economic uncertainty and chaos, they like to print more money um, to stimulate the economy because they need that money to change hands. You know, despite the fact that it pushes everyone deeper into poverty via inflation, it's okay. They're doing it to protect you. We need to print more money. Okay. So we could get to a point where they say, hey, guys, we need to stimulate the economy again. We need that money to change hands. And so if you don't spend, let's say, 10% of your savings in the next three months, 
that money could expire. But again, we're doing it to protect you, to stimulate the economy. So that basically is your hard-earned money expiring. Um, Therefore, you're unable to build long-lasting generational wealth. You're always going to be a slave. You're always going to have to work. Um, And so the the whole thing is is ridiculous. The whole thing is a scam. Um, And they're really pushing for it, unfortunately. And I think I saw actually at the World Economic Forum, somebody um, was on stage and was basically saying, you know, if they were to implement something like this, they would need to create a new human bill of rights, you know, uh, in order to prevent yeah. people's uh, freedoms being taken away. But what I say to that is, during, as a result of uh, the, the, uh, the Second World War, they came out with the uh, Nuremberg Code, right, which is to make sure that nobody's forced um, any medical procedures ever again. Um, and, of course, that was uh, totally ripped to shreds over the last two years. You know, people were coerced into taking things. Um, so who says they'll stick to that either, basically? Talking to Leah Halpern, she has her show. It's about crypto and other stuff. It's a fantastic show. Check it out. Last question, I'll let you go. You've been generous with your time and we appreciate it. Uh, how do you respond to cryptocurrency and general critics who say, well, listen, I, 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 it may be a great idea, the technology and the ability to decentralize and control the money, but ultimately in the end, it's going to be governments and central banks, which are government-associated enterprises in most cases, if not directly controlled, they could crush it at any moment. I mean, they could ban it, make it illegal, make it illegal as a form of currency. I mean, I don't want to answer the question for but I guess you could say that about anything. But how do you respond to critics who, I hear that a lot about crypto. Yeah, I mean, there's clearly a lot of regulation coming, particularly in the States. And I do think a lot of uh, cryptocurrencies will be uh, classed as a security, which could totally... Uh, destabilize that market. Um, however, something like Bitcoin, which is still a cryptocurrency, but it's just, you know, in a league of its own, um, it can be banned, but it can't be stopped. Um, and that's really important because how, because America might stop it, but the rest of the world isn't going to stop it. And just because it becomes illegal doesn't mean people are going to stop using it. I also looked at Nigeria because Ni- Nigeria almost banned it. Well, they, they implemented some pretty tough uh, restrictions and regulations. Um, and as a result, um, peer-to-peer trading, so without any centralized exchange, peer-to-peer trading actually shot up by 27%. And that was the goal of uh, the person that created this or the group of people that created Bitcoin, we don't know. Um, but that was their goal, you know, to remove the middleman. And then Bitcoin started trading at a premium. So actually in the rest of the world, Bitcoin was trading at 60,000 uh, US dollars. It started trading in Nigeria at 80,000 US so it makes it more um, more in demand, which, of course, then shoots up the price. Um, but just back to the previous thing as well, is that, um, again, not every single country is going to take the same um, approach as America. And we know this, again, because if you just look at the last two years, um, you know, some countries stayed open. Some countries are really fighting against different things that, uh, you know, the EU is talking about, the IMF is talking about, the World Bank. El Salvador, I know it's a small country, but it's definitely being pioneers of this new technology because Bitcoin is legal tender in El Salvador. Um, you know, there's a lot of countries which aren't all on the same page. And, um, it, and, you know, a lot of states as well, Texas, Florida, that aren't on the same page. So the future is going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I saw you uh, You interviewed the uh, El Salvadorian president down there. You uh, you get <laughs> you do a great job, man. Everyone covers crypto better than you. Leah Halpern, we really appreciate you coming on. You're welcome back anytime. we got to get you back on the Fox show soon, too. Folks, check out her show. It's amazing. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Dan. Thank you. You got it. You got it. I told you, folks, we get the best guests here. That was Leah Halpern. Up next is Leo Terrell. We'll get to that in a second. Everybody loves Leo. We took it all. 
we brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Here's, I think, everyone's favorite guest, the great Leo Terrell, who talked to us about the ridiculous Cassidy Hutchinson testimony, the Dobbs decision, Gavin Newsom, governor of uh, California, in name only, his aspirations and a lot. I got a great guest. He is a civil rights attorney. You all know him. You all love him. He is a Fox News contributor. He also has his own show on the great KABC in Los Angeles. My friend, Leo Terrell. Leo, thanks for joining us, buddy. Hello, Truth Teller. How you doing? And first of all, I want to thank you for having me on your show Saturday. Even though I told Jim I'm a little hurt how you praise Lisa Booth, who I love, and Kurt on your radio show. I, I like to get a little of that praise. Next time I'm on your TV show, I'm going to have a Dan Bongino look. I'll let you figure that one out. Jim, can we have Pete do a special liner for Leo? Can we, can we please? Yes. We're going to set the, no, I'm not kidding. I'm not mad. Jim, get repeat that we do liners like every few months. We are going to get a special liner. This liner is an honor of the great Leo Terrell and all my P1 listeners do it, Jim. It's a done deal. Leo, you were great. I got the ratings this morning. As always, you never disappoint. The Fox news audience loves you. You like blew it up. You were our highest rated guest as always. Um, they like you because you've seen both sides of the aisle. You at one point, we're on the left side of the aisle. You're a civil rights attorney. You are a very talented lawyer. You know, you, you like President Trump a lot. So you've seen kind of all ranges of the spectrum. If, regarding that, one of the key components of a constitutional republic and a process-oriented system, Leo, as a lawyer, is an adversarial hearing. This January 6th hearing is absolutely nothing of the sort. This is the equivalent of a star chamber. And I think that's why they keep trying to move the needle, the left and Liz Cheney, and they just can't do it. Dan, first of all, I just want to say this. You're the ultimate truth teller. I mean, you're a role model as far as dealing with facts. And here's a classic example. Where is due process? I've been a lawyer for 30 years. And, and for them, and I said this at the outset of the first hearing, a little clip here, a little clip there, a little bit clip here, a little bit of this. This is nothing more than a kangaroo court scripted by ABC media leftists for the Democrats. And they got Liz Cheney doing the dirty work for Nancy Pelosi. And it just seems embarrassing. It's outright embarrassing. The president's denied due process. Where's the cross-examination? I would love to annihilate these witnesses or play the entire segment of the testimony. But it's really a dog and pony show. And one point, final point, the ultimate goal is to somehow, some way, pre- prevent President Trump from running for re-election. The Democrats and certain rhinos are afraid of Donald J. Trump. They are. And, you know, I, I brought the example up before. Again, you're a lawyer. This is what you actually do for a living. Yeah. You know, pro- we have process in the United States. There's a process a because the government has a monopoly on force. They can take your life and take your freedom. They have a monopoly on that. We have a process for distilling truth. We don't just let the government go out and say, Leo robbed the bank. You've got to prove it beyond any reasonable doubt. And the way you get to beyond a reasonable doubt is you allow the other side to present facts and data that would lead you to believe that they're innocent if they are, in fact, innocent. And a perfect example here, Leo, I'm going to go too deep in the weeds, but Liz Cheney absolutely categorically lied about one of these DOJ attorneys, this guy, Ken Klukowski. Margot Cleveland sent me a great piece this morning. She said basically he went over to DOJ specifically to work 
for this guy. That's why she would, in other words, he's part of the scheme. Well, as Margot writes in her piece, Leo, that's not possible. The guy was there before the guy even got there. This is what would have come out in an adversarial hearing if the Trump team was like, hey, uh, Liz, that's not possible. I was here before that guy you said I went over to work for. This is why adversarial hearings work. It's why it's, it's, it's the beauty of cross-examination. I, I was watching this dog and pony show today. Liz Cheney, I'm listening as a lawyer. Nothing that's coming out of her mouth is, is evidentiary or admissible. Dan, she's making conclusions. She's putting as, uh, She's describing the events from her lens. She's not asking questions. She's not eliciting information. She is driving a narrative, and everything that's coming out of her mouth is to prove that narrative. The one sad part about it is, it's false. It has no foundation. It's hearsay. It's inadmissible. This thing, nothing that came out today or these previous hearings, Dan, as a lawyer, there's something called the rules of evidence. None of this. The judge would be saying strike, motion strike, objection granted, overruled, overruled. Right. I mean, you don't have that. You don't have any of that. Right. And it's, Leo, it's you just, I didn't even think of that. You just kind of cued me on that, Jim. This one didn't occur to me either. Sorry, man. I always incorporate Jim into these things, too. <laughs> but hearsay. Hearsay is totally not admissible. That's like, you don't even need to be Leo Terrell, like a good lawyer. You just have to open up like the Charlie Brown Encyclopedia of Law. Of course you don't admit hearsay. This this last witness they had, Cassidy Hutchinson, yes. the entire thing was, here's what I heard this guy say. Here's what I heard McCarthy say. Here's Thank what you. I heard Tony Ornato say. It was all Thank hearsay, you. the whole thing. She, she couldn't testify to what they're telling. If it is missable hearsay, and she has no personal knowledge of the actual conversation. It, it, it just drives me crazy. And Dan, there's lawyers in that House of Representatives. They know better. Yeah. But they're being scripted yeah. by the left, by, by an ABC yeah. producer who, who, who script. You see they're reading from a teleprompter. They're just yeah. reading. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can see because you and I do TV a lot. So we'll let him in on some inside baseball. You can always tell someone's (laughs) reading from a prompter. I mean, they're not hiding it. The prompter's right there, but their eyes track. You'll watch their eyes go back and forth on the screen. That's how you'll know, like, when I'm in an unfiltered segment and when I'm not because your eyes aren't (laughs) tracking. So, yeah, we can tell the stuff, but you're right. Leo, let me move on to another topic I had addressed it with you uh, when you were kind enough to be a guest Saturday night. The uh, the uh, Roe uh, the Dobbs decision uh, yeah. where Roe v Wade was overturned. Um, there is just so much hysteria. You're out there in California. You have your own show on the Great KBC, which everybody loves. And um, specifically in California, I think it's going to backfire. Here's why: you can't tell you know 50 million residents of California, you know whatever it may be, 20 million, 25 million women. Your abortion rights, small R rights, are going away tomorrow if Roe v. Wade disappears. And then it disappeared, Leo, and oddly enough, nothing in California happened. I mean, are people catching on like they were fed a bunch of BS for a long time? Yeah, yeah, and, and this thing about it, but, but then, Dan, it goes to the heart of your show. Facts. They don't care. They're just lying to people. They're just lying here. These Democrats control California. We've got a weak Republican system here they control it and you got you got basically fools just following gavin newsom who's using these lies to talk about his presidential run in 2024 here's the bottom line uh california abortion rights perfect no change whatsoever nothing's happening but if you listen to the democratic hierarchy you got gay rights being attacked you got damn interracial marriage control right interracial marriages 
Oh, my God. That's me, Leo. Leo, my wife's Hispanic. I'm in trouble. I told told my producer, Gee, watch that front door. Clarence Thomas coming to the front door. Take everybody. This is like Jay, your your marriage is okay because I will come out of retirement and represent you. I think you got a good 14th Amendment equal protection argument. So we're good. But it doesn't stop them from lying. It doesn't stop them from lying. And then one last point. Lori Lightfoot, Lori Lightfoot basically tries to throw Clarence Thomas under the bus. She's signaling to these agitators, protesters, I don't care what's wrong with her. F Clarence Thomas? I mean, right. Who talks like that, Leo? No one Who talks it's like crazy. that. That is insane. It is. They're, they're, they don't care about the truth. They just want people to get angry. Facts do not matter. You talk about this every day on your program. I listen to it. You're the ultimate fact finder, truth teller. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, that's why we get along. Me and Leo got a long history. We used to argue on Hannity's yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, you could go watch we used that. To argue. So. Yeah, man. Uh, no, it's, it's always such an honor to have you in here. Let me just uh, wrap up with a couple more questions. And if you want to check out his radio show, KBC has a website. You can check out Times and all. You can listen all around the country. You don't have to be in Los Angeles alone. It's a great show. Um, Leo, Gavin Newsom, uh, obviously the governor of California, does appear to have some national aspirations. Uh, something very bizarre I noted the other day. It was in Political Playbook. They noted that Newsom apparently bought an ad block, according to their reporting, in Florida. Now, last time I checked, Leo, you are an attorney, so check me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Floridians can't vote for the governor of California, so I'm not really sure what Newsom is up to, but it appears he does have national aspirations. Spot on. I'm talking about that today. A couple of weeks ago, he said, I have no aspirations. I'm supporting Kamala. Amazing how two weeks has changed. This guy is going, he's running for president right now because he knows he got this reelection already in the bag this guy and by the way the good thing is no i don't think we we elected a republican from california two of them but there's never been a democrat elected but this guy is running for president in 2024 that's why those commercials in florida yeah i mean california um they're not sending their best leo we got kamala harris right now i'm sorry i just i mean it's so bad we we have a jim does this segment called what the is she saying? Because you can never figure out what she's saying. It's well, like hey, she, she, she Do you ever notice too? She talks to us like we're kids. She talks oh, in like this very profess faux professorial tone, like we're a bunch of idiots. She talks down, and but but she's a word salad. And then of course your great line, <laughs> just like Pete Buttigieg says, talks a lot, says absolutely nothing, <laughs> nothing. You heard? That. I, to I you see every he day. does. Jim, he listens to the show. Yes, I our line with Pete Buttigieg. There's not a human being on planet Earth that uses more words to say less than Pete Buttigieg. It's so true. Uh, Leo, I want to let you go. You're generous with your time. I don't want to keep you too long. KABC, folks. If Leo has a radio show, you can always catch him on Fox 2. Go to KABC's website. Listen to the show. He's amazing. Great friend and a good man and a great patriot. Leo, thanks for your time. Thank you, Dan Bongino. Truth teller. Talk to you later. You got it, buddy. Take care. We love Leo, man. Who doesn't love Leo? I'm not kidding. Like, we get these little bar graphs on our show. I'm not even putting them. Catherine, Fox Nation, are we supposed to say that? Catherine, we, we, you know, we don't incorporate her into the show enough. This is a simulcast on video on Fox Nation. You can actually watch me in the studio. I'm not sure if we're supposed to mention that already, but we do anyway. Whenever Leo's on, boom. Leo, Mark Levin, Donald Trump, like the three biggest ringers for ratings. It's, it's almost like cheating. You want to win the week in the demo and overall? When we had demo, just bring one of those three on. You can't lose. It's cheating. You don't have to say anything. 
You just turn the show. Hey, Leo, here you go, buddy. Boom. You know, just ask him whatever. Leo, it's your show. This is Unfiltered with Leo Terrell. Works every single time. I'm not kidding. It's almost, it's not even fair. That was Leo Terrell. Up next is governor of South Dakota, Christy Nome. Here's Christy Nome about the politics, the current political environment, and her new book, Not My First Rodeo. Check this out. Governor Christy Nome, you on the line? I sure am. How you doing, How Dan? are you? I'm doing great. great. It is great to have you back on the show. You have a new book out. I got to tease it a little bit before you came on. It's called Not My First Rodeo, available wherever you get your books today. I'll get to the book in a second. It's an interesting book. I want to get your perspective on why you wrote it. But just a couple of thoughts from you. You're a very prominent governor. you got a national profile, South Dakota, beautiful, wonderful state. You know, we had this hearing going on yesterday, and it strikes me, Governor, as a big distraction. Um, listen, everybody has said and offered an opinion uh, about what happened on January 6th. We've heard about it for a year and a half. There's nothing new. Nothing new came out yesterday. The allegations seem to be borderline ridiculous. Yet we've got an inflation crisis affecting you and your state. An immigration crisis, even though you're up in South Dakota, it's affecting you too. We've got a, 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 the stock market seemingly any day on, on the verge of a crash. We have real problems. This is all an enormous, ridiculous distraction at this point. It is, and, and both sides would agree on that. And both of them would say that, you know, the left is saying it's favorable for them. It keeps us from talking about the real issues. We would say... Um, can you even believe they're still talking about this? <laughs> and that, I mean, it's unbelievable to me what I heard yesterday from some of that testimony. You know they're lying. You know they're making this up. And the press just follows them around, gobbles it right. up, and spits out the headlines. It's amazing to me that they cover this. Yeah. This is hearsay. None of it is verified. It's one 20-year-old out there saying stuff, and all of a sudden it's national news when we've got people who can't put food on the table, they don't have enough money to buy gas to get to work or to take their kids to their activities. It's unbelievable to me that we have a national security crisis going on, and we're talking about this still. Yeah, it is. It's just, and it's, here's, the, here's the interesting thing. Governor, you were in Congress uh, before you were a governor. You, it's not, you're not you know, uh, uh, foreign to national politics. You've been there. The mm-hmm. Democrats, for as much as we for as much as I and probably you dislike their ideology as well, they're usually smarter than this. And the thing is, is Jim cited to me, my producer, who will be going over in the first hour of this January 6th hearing. A YouGov poll came out today. That's even worse for the Democrats. So in other words, like they're doing the January 6th stuff, the distractions, the Putin price hike, the blame game, and none of it's working. You would think mm-hmm. they'd be a little more tactically efficient and say, eh, time to switch the game plan up. Yeah, you know, it just shows how dishonest they are. And honestly, this situation, you know, shows that the American public aren't a bunch of dummies. I mean, they're paying attention and it's their everyday life. And the Democrats are assuming that they can talk the American public into anything. And I think after what we've seen the last two to three years, the public's doing their homework now. They're understanding exactly what's going on in Washington, D.C. They're paying attention. They're reading past the headlines and they're seeing hypocrisy for what it is. So I'm grateful for that. People get worried about our country. I'm encouraged. I'm inspired because we've got people paying attention that never were before. They're showing up at meetings. They're going to school boards. They're going to local government, state legislators and weighing in on congressional issues that, you know, maybe two or three years ago they didn't they didn't care about. Today they do. 
Yeah, that's not hyperbole, Governor. The numbers back you up. A million new Republicans uh, registered, switch parties from Democrats. So mm-hmm. the numbers back you up. So let's get to your book. It's called Not My First Rodeo, out today, wherever you get your books. Uh, what's in the book? What can we expect in the book? Why'd you write it? You know, I think most people would think I would write a book about politics. And, uh, you know, there's certainly a few political stories in here, but mainly it's a story about my life lived so far. It's it's interesting because I think most people in this country heard about me within the last couple of years because of COVID. They they heard my name, thought, well, who is this? What is she doing? Is she crazy? And has she ever done anything before? And maybe this book will help people understand why I made the decisions that I made. My background, this, is, this isn't my first rodeo. I've been through a few fights in the past and life threw me some challenges along the way. And uh, also, I think there's some leadership lessons in here. I learned a lot by watching other people, decisions they made, public officials that I was disappointed in, um, and and put that and applied that to my life going forward. So I think they'll find it an easy read. It should be fun. There's some funny stories in there, and there's some things in there in the political spectrum that people haven't heard before. We're talking to Governor Christy Nome of South Dakota, her new book, Not My First Rodeo, out today. Governor, you said there are leadership uh, lessons in there. That I... I thoroughly enjoy books like that. Uh, you know, I, I remember being an instructor in the Secret Service Academy and be, being given my first new agent class for the first time. And mm-hmm. even though I'd been a police officer, had been to college and had two or three jobs before I was in my 30s and I felt like, gosh, I can do this. It's only, you know, 24 students. How hard can this be? You learn a lot about yourself. And I can almost guarantee you, correct me if I'm wrong, that even though you'd been in Congress, you know, had a long history of engaging in political fights, when you were the governor, you're it. You're it. The buck stops there, right? I'll bet you learned a lot about yourself in the, in the first couple of months. Am I wrong? Yeah, I think especially since the decisions I made were very lonely. I mean, I was getting criticism the first couple of months from not just Democrats. It was on the national scale. It was Republicans. It was my supporters. It was people who'd you know, been in my life for 30, 40 years that were calling us up and calling me up and saying, what are you doing? you know, get it fall in line with these other governors. You, this is going to kill you politically. And, um, you know, I just knew that I, I had to do my job and nothing more than my job. And I had to live with myself at the end of the day and look back 30 years from now and be okay with the decisions I made. So, yeah, it was interesting times. I would say I, my dad had raised me to not complain about things, to fix them, uh, to work hard. As I went through the legislature and Congress, I also learned that you know, you can you can't really count on people. You got to count on yourself, your faith, and your family, and make the best decision. And uh, you know, I also I just learned a lot about the fact that your words have consequences. You turn on the TV today, Dan, and people are talking about being scared and worried. As a leader, you don't get to be scared or worried. You don't get that privilege. Yeah. You wake up every day and act with confidence because what you say matters and it impacts everybody around you. So. During COVID, it was incredibly important that I be calm, reasonable, factual, and that people could trust me. We're talking to Governor Christy Nome again, author of the new book, Not My First Rodeo. I'll tell you what I respect about you. We had some disagreements about some policies as governor you had signed mm-hmm. on for, but you came on my show right away. It was no, you didn't even, there was no hemming and hawing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And you made your case. We disagreed. We moved on. And that's, I think, the thing about Republicans that makes us different 
is, you know, we can have a disagreement, but we agree about, is what Reagan say, 80% of the time, maybe we'll come back for the other 20 later. But, you know, I, I respected that. Now, a lot of politicians duck those kind of interviews. You didn't do that. Hmm. Um, and I appreciated that. Yeah, you, you, that takes a lot of guts to do that kind of stuff, you know? I think, I think it's interesting, um, Dan, because I'm not a, a confrontational person, but um, my husband says <laughs> that, but you're always convinced you're right. So maybe that's what makes me want to have those conversations. I'm pretty honest, and I'll tell you what I think. But I also appreciate the fact that I want to be teachable. And, you know, maybe that conversation, that interview with you, I learned some things. And I, uh, I think great. that every conversation we have like that makes us smarter, it makes better policy at the end of the day. It helps us learn, and, and that's what life is about. Well, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, Governor, I'm not confrontational either, right, Jim? Not at all. Yeah, not, not at even all. a little no. bit. Yeah, not at I, all. I don't have that. You're, a big, so. you're a big teddy bear. <laughs> big teddy bear. I am behind the scenes on the radio. So <laughs> last question. I got about a minute left. We're talking to Governor Christy Nome, author of the book, Not My First Rodeo, out today. Go check it out, please. Sounds really, really interesting. You got a lot of experience. Uh, the ag industry. No one knows more about it than you up there, Governor of South Dakota. Uh, this inflation crisis, diesel fuel all cri- uh, diesel fuel crisis, it's got to be crushing your farmers up there. Oh, it is. And most people don't know this, but um, you know, farmers borrow the money they need to put their crops in every year. You know, they they go to a bank and borrow it at interest rates, and they're buying and borrowing much more because they've got to put higher cost fuel in their tractors. They've got to seed and fertilizer and chemicals gone up more just because, you know, we're relying on foreign countries that are owning most of our processing systems and most of these companies now. What Biden has been doing as far as regulations, uh, penalties, uh, also, you know, making us dependent on foreign oil, it's all crippling our farmers. And listen, when another country grows our food for us, that's when they control us. And that's what I'm concerned about is China is buying up our fertilizer chemical, our processing systems. They're buying land now. They drive our farmers out of business with one tough year like they're doing this year. Boy, they're going to own our food, and then they will truly control us. So, yes, yeah. wake up, America. Uh, hold this president accountable to what he's doing. Folks, listen to what Governor Noam is talking about. She's there on the ground with a very deep body of experience in the ag community. Governor Christy Noam, author of the new book. Go pick it up, folks. Not My First Rodeo, available today. Sounds terrific. Thanks for coming on to talk about the book. We really appreciate it. No, thanks, Dan. You're a rock star. Anytime. Mm. Have a great day. <laughs> you got it. Thank you. Governor Christy Noam. That was Governor Christy Noam. Thanks for listening to this special Sunday podcast we put for you together every couple of weeks here. You can hear me every weekday across the country and over 300 radio stations. Go to Bongito.com and click on Station Finder to find out where I'm on near you. Thanks for checking out the show. We appreciate it. You just heard Dan Bongino.